Hello and welcome to White Centipede Noise Podcast. I'm Oscar Brummel, and today my guest is Jamie Van Blake of Coma Detox, Disgusting Sanctum, and One Half of Agonal Lust, along with James Light, who was also interviewed here. This interview was the first time that Jamie revealed his identity to the public, and sadly, shortly after the interview, he passed away. A huge loss for the industrial noise world and the people who knew him, particularly James, his best friend. After some consideration, James and I both decided that it was best to air this interview to introduce this side of Jamie to the world and memorialize his life and work. The interview has been edited considerably to focus just on Jamie. Rest in peace, Jamie Van Blake. Long live Agonal Lust. Hey guys, um, welcome to White Centipede Noise Podcast. Oscar, a pleasure, as always. How you doing? Yeah. James... You were on the show not too long ago um, as speaking about your your duties and your work, um, among other things, is Agonal Lust. And today we are here with the second half of Agonal Lust. Jamie, would you please introduce yourself just, just briefly? Um, I'm Jamie, Agonal Lust, Coma Detox, Disgusting Sanctum, some other projects that I'm not going to mention. Um, that's pretty much it, man. Cool. Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on and joining me. This is a I've been following your project since I think probably the first Coma Detox tape I remember. I think I ordered that from you, and um, you know you're not very you keep your you keep your identity not so known. So uh, up until it's now. nice yeah, up yeah. until now. Yeah, it's nice yeah. to put the face to the to the work um we talked about agonal lust you and me james when we first did the interview the last time and you kind of told me the you know how you guys met and started working together jamie can you tell that story from your perspective or from your memory about how you met james and how agonal lust came together um, I'm pretty sure it was through Keith Brewer. Uh, obviously, James mentioned that in his other interview. Um, James was looking for somebody to be on Finders, and Keith gave him suggestion to discuss Sanctum, and uh, pretty much from there, it just took off. You know, um, James put out the tape. We talked about doing a, a collaboration, which is like a 10-minute tape, and that was the first Agonal Lust tape, Breathing Through Blood. And from there, it just kind of never stopped. So, why do you think you guys connected so strongly? And like, you guys are really like a, a hardcore team now. I feel like you know, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I just yeah. Oh. I was just say, Jamie's like my brother. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have any family left. They're all gone. Same. He's, likewise. Yeah. He's he's my family. I think uh, initially when we. James contacted me to do a DS tape on Finders, did that. And then I think, I don't know who mentioned it to me. It's kind of vague right now, but about doing just like a collaboration or something. And we just, you know, I think James recorded like a bass track, sent it to me. I added my stuff to it. And it just, it just worked like right off the bat, which for me, I don't know, could be being a control freak or whatever, but things never really worked out in like a, a group project or more than just me doing it. And for some reason, when we did, it just, it just clicked. And like I said, it never really stopped after that. So. What are your different roles in Agonal Lust? Um, I could mention, I could definitely, that's pretty easy. Um, I do the lyrics, song titles, James does all the artwork, the layout. That's his thing. As far as like, the, the, the sound together, we, it's definitely a huge collaboration. Um, a lot of times he'll do a bass track. I'll add all my stuff to it, then do the vocals. Other times, you know, it'll, it'll switch. But, you know, as far as like, it's always, it's just definitely a group effort. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a group effort. I want to say the last two albums, I did the majority of the bass tracks for the main tracks. And then Jamie added and then did vocals. Um, on the LP, um, Jamie did all of the interval tracks. I didn't even add anything to them. They were 
they were perfect as is, and I just couldn't, I couldn't imagine adding anything to them. So those were just him. Yeah. Nice. You guys live in different cities, correct? Yeah. yeah. How far apart? Four hours, like four hours. Uh, we get together every couple months. Usually, I'll drive out here, or he'll drive out my way. Yeah. Does that mean a fair amount of the recordings are done kind of remotely? Yes. Yeah. Yep. And then what are what are rehearsals like, or what is it like when you get together? Um, uh, rehearsals are mainly when we do shows. Um, that's, and it's just, you know, us going over the parts. I typically James does the electronics live, and I just, I just concentrate on the vocals because. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that way it just it makes it a lot more cohesive than if I'm trying to go back and forth between doing synth work or whatever, you know, and I like to just be able to focus on my vocals. So, yeah, um, live is definitely I handle the electronics. Usually um, for a live show, we generally only practice two and an absolute max of maybe three times. Um, never more really. Um, is that for a reason? Uh, no, there's no specific reason. Although I do like to leave, um, you know, a lot of open ground for things to happen. I I don't want it to be too planned. Right. Uh, That's too cliche. It's too, we're not, we're not, we're not a rock and roll band. Uh, right. Trying to keep it unhinged. You know I mean? That's, for sure. I mean, and and this and the Agnolus material, in itself, already has a fair amount of structure to it. Like, do you play songs off the off the albums? Do you do you play songs? Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. That that's. I think that's kind of been almost like an unspoken goal is to try to recreate everything. Is even though keep it open, you know, and keep it unhinged. Like I said, yeah. Still try to leave a lot of room, you know. But since you said there's structure, we still want it to come off as knowing like what tracks we're doing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, the performances you've done so far have been physically and performance-wise very intense and 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 violent. I mean, I've I've only seen video and photo and stuff like that. But um, what are the rehearsals like in terms of energy? Do you reach any of that type of energy during rehearsals? You could for me no. Uh, For me, I have a very intense. Um, connection to the electronics. Um, it's not violent, but there's a lot of pacing. There's a lot of intensity. There's a lot of movement for me when we play live. It's not. It's not violent. Yeah, but rehearsals aren't rehearsals. Yeah, like I said, at least yeah. for me, it's just basically getting down what we want to be able to play, more than focusing on anything else. Jamie, are you aware of what? James plans uh, live beforehand. No, no, it, it, we just kind of take it as a, you know as it comes, pretty much. Have you ever been surprised by how intense things get? No, not at all. No, I expect it. Like I said, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but it's expected. Yeah. And how do you feel about that? Uh, I mean, do you do you ever feel? interested in also getting involved on that kind of level i mean it ha- you know new york was definitely different than the show we played in chicago uh, chicago i think at least on my part was a little more calculated whereas in new york it just kind of whatever happened happened so right. to speak you, know. you guys lift don't you also <laughs> I I used to. I haven't in quite a while. We were both big. I was a power lifter. Jamie was also a power lifter. Um, my work, my life, things that are going on have prevented me from doing so. And I believe same yeah, goes same. for yeah. Jamie. Um, yeah. We do plan to return to it. Um, we have a plan to um, sort of change our living situations around a little bit. Yeah. And uh, upon doing so, there will be a return to that. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sometimes when life is like lifting so much, it's like you don't need to lift 
additional yeah. weight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a fair point for sure. Uh, thank you. Yes, 100%. Okay, so we'll get back to Agonal Lust in a little bit, but I want to talk about Coma Detox. Okay. Can you tell me about Reduced to an Invalid? Um, well, that tape, uh, Coma Detox, was actually a, it was two people. Um, and it was a, a buddy of mine. We recorded in his basement at the time, which actually was a glass shop, a woman that had like mm. an independent glass shop. So there's a lot of stuff in there, a lot of like drums and oil tankers and all kinds of stuff. And that was like incorporated onto that tape a lot and other Coma Detox tapes as well. But that was the only tape that was recorded as a two piece. Okay. Was Coma Detox otherwise a solo project? Yes. Yes. It even was. I would say that tape is still a solo project. Yeah, for the sure. The other person was just helping the, the density of the sound. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, all the ideas and everything were mine. Um, he kind of, he contributed uh, a little bit, but like it was mostly, it was, you know, more or less like James mentioned, it was a, a solo effort even back yeah. then. So. Was that, if you describe it that way, was it recorded like as a live take? Yeah, all a live take on a, an old Tascam 4 tracker. Uh, you know, everything plugged into all the inputs and all done at once. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, what were, what, well, you met, you mentioned your methods, but what were like your inspirations at the time sonically or aesthetically or regarding content for that um, tape? I mean, you, it's, it, to me, it, to me, it sort of like you, I wasn't aware of anything that you'd done before. And I think I just saw that tape post pop, pop up on whatever the forum was at the time. I can't really I remember. Had but, actually, it was the yeah. electronics, pretty sure. Yeah. And I, think um, I contacted you and just ordered it and it was like, but it was like really kind of out of the blue and yeah, it's really fresh, you know, and exciting. Yeah. I mean, I was, I've been doing projects since high school. So, I mean, not to date myself, but since like the, the late nineties, you know, mm -hmm. but nothing ever really, you know, I had tons of recordings, but I think as far as like coma detox, it has to be in a live setting. So I never really had the means to do any like loud through like, you know, huge bass stacks like I did for that. Mm -hmm. um until i was able to do that tape because i you know i had access to the basement and everything so i think that's why that project just always it just was something that i actually kept um i always had the problem like old earlier projects where i'd record stuff and i would never be able to like just didn't want to put anything out from it just didn't really click but yeah. these are things clicked so i ended up keeping them and just decided to put the tape out on a whim and again I, it was keith brewer that actually uh he ordered a copy from me, which for me at the time was crazy. You know, Tate, you know, Keith Brewer, huge, huge influence on, on a lot of stuff that I did. And he kind of put the word out there for me. So, you know, rest in power. Yeah. I appreciate all the stuff that he did, you know. Yeah. So. It may have even been, I mean, maybe it was even his, I mean, it, it was like back then, certain individuals on forums, it's still like that now to a degree, I think, but less so, like, Certain individuals on forums, if they say, oh, yeah, this is good or I got this, that's directly like a, a sign to me that I should check it out. You know, like I think maybe oh, that, that was yeah, even yeah. what happened. Like I maybe didn't even order it right away, but then I, I noticed it. And then like maybe like a week later, I saw like the bite works, you know, yeah. commenting like, yeah. oh, this is good. And then that was like to me like a sign. OK, then I should I should also definitely order this. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. I mean, because you think, you know, there's so many. There's just so many tapes and projects out there, you know, it's endless. So, you know, if you're, you're really not going to want to just pick anything on a limb, you know, but when you, like you mentioned, when somebody that's been around for a long time puts a, you know, a positive spin on it, people are going to want to pick it up. It, it definitely yeah. helps. You know? Definitely yeah. helps. Yeah. Tell me about this, the, the, the Mania and Coma Detox split LP. Uh, that was, uh, again, Keith contacted me. He, he wanted to do a split. We were, you know, talking about either doing it as a collaboration or a split, and he, we both kind of just decided to end up doing it as a split. Um, yeah, I just, you know, recorded my tracks, he did his tracks, and it was a joint between um, Freak Animal and um, 
throwing a blank right now. Yeah, filled with violence. Um, you know, and uh, it just kind of, you know, took off from there. Yeah. What was the significance of filth and violence as a label at that time? Uh, huge, actually. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a label now. It's been around for a really long time. They put out a lot of stuff, you know, and I don't know if the interest is as huge as it used to be. I mean, it's still up there, but but especially like back then, it was huge. And I traded with him, too. Um, a lot of the early filth and violence stuff, the medical images were things that I sent him from old medical journals and stuff. And he would, you know, he would, we would trade. I'd send him images and pictures. He would send me tapes. So wow. that's like another thing, how that all took off as far as. That's uh, interesting. Over. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause I, I, yeah. I, I associate the two products together for sure. And I know of course yeah. there was a concussion asphyxiated. Yeah. Um, yep. But the visuals also are strong, I, you know, strong, you know, present, presented in a different way. I mean, he, he had his layout style and, and, you know, you yeah, have your, yeah. you had your comedy well, talk stuff. He definitely had a yeah, taste. Yeah, he did. Yeah. A lot, of, like I said, a lot of that stuff was sent and I, and I used a lot of images from a lot of old, uh, like pathology journals and medical journals as well. Yeah, from your work. From my, yeah, it was one of my old jobs. We, uh, used to, uh, reprint medical journals and pathology journals and, so I used to, you what, know, stuff that they work? was it was it a print job or was it was it a medical type I, job? Yeah, I mean, I was I was a warehouse worker for them, but they had a print department, and a lot of the stuff that got thrown out, um, you know, I would just take home, you know. So I had a, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff from there. Crazy. And I used that for uh, discussing Sanctum's. Uh, yeah, well, the first tape. The first tape on Finders was all from those pathology journals. Yeah. Heavy. Yeah, because some of that stuff, it's like. It's super grim, and you don't just find that stuff. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. It's like you have to have a certain Which I guess, level. You know, back, you know, Ben was like kind of a, a goal, you know, it was like kind of like the shock factor or whatever. Now it's just like, you know, it's been done. So yeah. it's just, I guess, you know, kind of like a snapshot of time then, you know. Yeah, but I, I, I really think that, I mean, regardless of what, anyone thinks about them now or what i even think about them now that label was super influential and super oh, yeah de definitely was seminal in the scene i mean it made such a big such a big impact yeah for sure can you tell me a little bit about your personal connection to the content of discussing sanctum and coma detox like i mean there's obviously heavy heavy thematics there Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't know. I mean, I've had a lot of various jobs. I, I mentioned the, the job working where they, they reprint, you know, pathology journals. I've worked at a hospital for like two and a half years. And I don't know, just it's it's just something that's always been kind of a huge interest to me is just, you know, anatomy and how people are just really vulnerable. And, you know, it's people can be destroyed and, and through whatever, you know, means, you know, um, I don't know. Like I said, I, you know, like you mentioned, it's, it's, it's just grim. And I kind of wanted to express that not just through the actual noise, but as far as the content as well. So for sure. Um, and then what about the shift to discussing sanctum from coma detox is what is the is there is there any difference, like fundamentally between those two projects? Yeah, I would say like coma coma detox is like, um, it's all about like live recording, a lot of junk metal. Um, that type of stuff. Discussing Sanctum, I think, is definitely a lot more vile. Um, recordings are different. It's it's it was still most of those were done on like four tracks, like rotten noise. Yeah, pretty, yeah, just really like you know, and a lot death of industrial. A, a huge death industrial slant, maybe more towards right. like slaughter production type stuff. I mean, it might not always come across like that, but I think that sure. was a bigger influence on on that material. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I guess coma detox is is really quite harsh. It's really quite thundering yeah. and and harsh compared yeah, to sure. yeah. disgusting. More sanctum. more like brutish, you know. Yeah. So. Are there any plans, or maybe forgive me if I'm missing something, but are there any plans to reissue any of that stuff? The coma detox stuff. Uh, the, Has it been the um, concussion asphyxiated got reissued on uh, ASR, ASRAR records. Right. Right. Italy. A while back, but I mean, not not really. I don't really have any plans to reissue them. I mean, I've had some some interest in it, but at, at right now, I'm not really looking to 
do anything with that. At least not right now. I mean, you know, it could change, mm -hmm. but for right now, anyway. That image from, I think it's on a Discussing Sanctum tape or two, maybe the one on Finders, and it's also like the little clip, the little thumbnail on your Discogs thing. It's like a, it's like a corpse with DS carved into it. Is that an actual yeah. photo? That's, yeah, that that well, the DS was actually was was written on there. That that was from a, a pathology journal too. It was just okay. It was, it was written on there. It wasn't actually carved into. The... No, no, that's a, the first tape. Yeah, that's the first tape, the self title that I put out myself, um, and then it got reissued on Black Psychosis. Yeah, right. You mentioned involvement in other projects. Is there anything you can? Tell us about. Uh, no comment. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Just kind of keeping. I don't know. I like to have a little bit of a anonymous, you know, projects going on here and there. Why is it that you have been anonymous up until now, Jamie? Um, no particular reason. Uh, just uh, how I am, I guess. You know rather the uh noise speak for itself than the person behind it i mean honestly I'm, I'm gonna come out and say it so i was anonymous for a long time too didn't want to do anything after the show in chicago i realized that my uh being anonymous was not going to be so easy jamie continued on uh <laughs> he continued strong after new york obviously there was some loss in that yeah for sure um and then I asked him to do this interview uh, so we could have an actual, this is the only Agonal Lust interview to ever exist and probably will be the only one. Um, and he agreed. And I, <laughs> I didn't really expect him to. I thought he would say, uh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> and I'd go well, over here and we'd just be here watching horror movies right now and you'd be doing you know, your thing. Well, I appreciate it. I hope, uh, you know, I hope you're not going to regret this. But I think, you know, I think the the first show in Chicago was probably the, the last chance you got to be truly anonymous. Because you guys are quite both imposing people. So, I mean, once, one, once, once you go on stage, and nowadays everyone has, you know, cameras. And, I mean, that, that, it was all busted open at that point, I think. Yeah, in, in New York, that's when that's when the any chance of being anonymous was truly over. I mean, no one knew who he was, yeah, so. but his face was there. Yeah. So. I commend you, Jamie, for being able to hold that down so long because that's hard to do in this this era. And I know you've been, I mean, you've been doing, you've been involved in this type of music for quite a while, right? I mean, before Comedy yeah, Talks yeah. you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's been a while, for sure. And there is some, there is, I feel like always kind of a play back and forth, like a tug between like wanting to be anonymous and just as a human, maybe. Like you want to have your privacy, you want to be kind of like guarded or, or have your space, but then you also <laughs> want to be like, seen by the world in some way you know i just not necessarily just an artist but there's all there's not for, not for me so i've yeah. never been big on social media so you know being anonymous for me has just always been pretty easy yeah um not even like a conscious effort it's just kind of that's just how i am so i guess that's yeah. why i never really cared whether people knew who i was or not you know yeah yeah okay that, i mean that's what i mean is like you have this seemingly sincere um you know, attraction to that way of living. Yeah, Whereas sometimes sure. I think, in the, you know, in picking this type of music, there are people who want, they pretend like they want to be anonymous for sort of like presentation, like to, to, to market themselves as anonymous, but they really actually want to be like people to know who they are, but just, they want to act like it, you know, but, but you're like sincerely, like you're just really out of the, out of the scope yeah. Of, of, of yeah, just it doesn't it doesn't mean anything to me, you know. Yeah. I don't care either way. I really don't. Never been a, a a concern of mine or anything like that. How do you feel 
towards like do you feel connection to a greater scene or or, um, can, or anything like that like no, you always seen power strike no, scene no i mean i just always just kind of go off what my influences were and a lot of that was kind of you know before my time as far as like early early noise you know early 80s stuff you know it's really huge influence so i think if you know those scenes i wasn't able to be a part of so no how has that been now working so closely with hospital uh working closely with hospital has been very good dom's been very good to us we have a lot of plans we have uh you know uh a discography box set coming out. Um, you know, Agonal Lust is over. We are done. There'll never be another recording. But it's, yeah, it wasn't even supposed to go on for this long. It just, it just kind of one of those things that just didn't die out. But it, it's time to let it die out. You know. And why is it that you want to let it die out? I don't know. I just think it's kind of reached its course. Yeah. What are we gonna do? Rehash the same themes and sounds over and over again, or? try to explore something new that doesn't really fit what we believe in or, or what we've done before. It, it seems like if we're going to continue recording together, which I'm sure we will, whether people know about it, it or not, something, something different. it'll be, it'll be different. It will not, it won't be agonal lost anymore. Even if it has some sound cues that may be, Oh, I think I might know who this is. It's right. not, it's not going to be agonal lost. What about, your solo works, Jamie, are you, have you been active with discussing Sanctum lately? Um, no, not so much. Um, I, I, I have some stuff that I've been, been working on here and there, um, but I'm not in a huge rush to get anything out at this point. Uh, I'm just kind of taking it how it is, and, and when I'm ready, I'll, I'll, you'll, you'll, you'll see some stuff from me. I mean, I know, I know there's a, there's a, there are boundaries to how much of personal things we can talk about and should talk about, but... Um, Jamie, what do you do outside of your 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 art? Your um, like how so? <laughs> like, uh, you mean like work wise or like hobbies or? Yeah, either one, either one, both. I mean, you know, I just I, I work a, a shitty warehouse job. Um, so I like to watch horror movies and drink beer and record you know um not super exciting man you know <laughs> um be honest you know just kind of doing what i can you know i think though there's something about that like there are a lot of people that are so i think dedicated and obsessed with industrial culture we can call it that's maybe a little bit high-nosed a little little pompous to call it that but but this type of music and this type of art and this type of you know they get so much from it that like in some ways it's it's like the most it's one of the most working class genres of music because there's a lot of people that just like work whatever job they can to like or they need to to get by to, mm -hmm. to serve their needs and then like spend all their time and focus on like and you know the money the extra money they have just on like i don't know tapes or, or whatever or just like being just oh, yeah. Yeah. enjoying that and working in that world you know what i mean like yeah that seems i, mean, I don't even know if it, i don't even know if it's enjoying it's just like you know it's just it's part of uh drive yeah i mean your drive and, and your obsessions yeah of course enjoying is enjoying is a you know a loaded term but i mean just like that's the main focus i mean like i can totally relate to that just being the main focus of what you do and what your life's about and then just what you do in your day job or whatever to pay the bills and to make that possible is just yeah. whatever it is you know that's, i think that's yeah, really exactly that's really yeah, common definitely. like and i feel like I mean, I don't want to like say, oh, I think you're probably happy with that. But like, I think there is some sort of satisfaction in that. Like, like I think a lot of people can be very satisfied in a very legitimate way with that t type of lifestyle. 
I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I could see that. You know, like I said, it's just it's just basically, you know, you have your outlets. It's you know, recording and doing doing tapes and releases, playing shows, and then you have your your private life. You know, they might not always be the same or anything like that, but it's just like you said, you do what you can to get by, and yeah. do the shit that actually makes you happy. You know, keeps you sane, somewhat sane. You know. Yeah. I talked a bit about this with with James in our interview, and you know he kind of opened up about some things. But what does this kind of music do for you as a human being? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's just it's a it's an outlet. It's an obsession. Uh, you know, the the need to create something that's in your head, trying to get it out. You know. Um, the sounds that you hear, yeah, the sounds that you hear, the you know the themes that that are going through your head, you know, it's just kind of a it's a it's a release, you know. Yeah. Do you think? Okay, like as someone, obviously, your work is very thematically heavy in certain in certain directions. Do you think that is inspired also by the music itself? Or do you think yeah. the music itself yeah. and the out, output is inspired by, you know, external things or, or experiences or, or life solely? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely both, you know, um, just from, you know, upbringing and, and, and what you're what you've seen around you growing up and just personal, you know, situations and, and that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, we, we both had really fucked up upbringings. We had parents who were, you know, were addicts and, you know, mm. neither one of us have family, you know. So, I mean, I don't know. I think a lot of that is, is it, you can see it in our work. It's genuine. You know, it's not made up shit that people are just doing to try to be able to sell something that makes any right. sense. You For know, sure. it's been through a lot of a lot of personal crap. Yeah, I mean, when we recorded the the C ten the two the two track tape, I mean, we gave it we gave them all away. It wasn't even about yeah. selling anything, yeah. and we never thought we were going to do anything else after. Yeah, it was kind of like it was just going to be a one off, and then it just kept going. You know, like you know, like we said. At what point, upon meeting each other or becoming getting into contact, did you guys identify this kind of shared? background or shared trauma was it the first time we actually hung out or was it it was pre uh, the first time we hung out was sort of like a group hangout with um you know past and present uh relationships and stuff but um somewhere in our emailing and talking or uh texting at some point eventually we started texting um you know, we discovered uh, a connection, you know, our fathers being very similar to one another, especially our fathers. Yeah. Um, our mothers have some similarities, but uh, Jamie's mother, I think, was far more motherly than mine. Uh, but we just, uh, we connected. Uh, we found these things, but those those aren't, the, that's not what binds us. Yeah, I mean, that, our struggle and childhood pains don't bind us by any means. That's not what holds us together and it's not really necessarily what even guides our music at at all times i mean motivated by malice was meant to be a recording that was going to be for us more fun maybe for the listener terrifying horrifying but for us that was that was us kind of just like let's fucking do something a little different we had just done hideous salvation yeah there had been a suicide attempt. There had been some negative stuff. Um, yeah, it was just kind of like a uh, like an, an ode to like you know eighties like VHS horror collecting and stuff like that. Like the, yeah. the way the tape came in those VHS boxes. And it was just kind of like a like you know like a, a, a B movie power electronics tape if that makes any sense. With yeah. still the fear of Yo, oh, of, yeah. re, of re, our reality, yeah, so it's, it's not but, it's not fun. You know what I mean? But it's fun for us, I guess. For us, it was fun. Yeah, right. Is is this the one that came in the with the red um, with the woman's face on the cover? No, that is hideous salvation. Oh, okay, and sorry. that yeah. is probably the the bleakest album we ever recorded. Yeah, that okay. is because I was gonna say I was thinking, most- damn, that was your most. Like, (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay. No, yeah, that album that. is very, very bleak. And that album is about our own mental and personal destructions. And the thing about it was when we recorded it, it wasn't, didn't seem like that was what was going on. Yeah. And as we finished it, we both, both of us completely fell apart and just it ended up being this monster of a release. And it was supposed to be the final Agonal Lust release, but it was so ugly and it was so horrible that we decided we had to come back and do some more. Okay. Because we, we couldn't end it like that. It was too, yeah. it was too devastating. Yeah. I mean, obviously you guys, have, and you've shared that you've been through a lot and, you know, dealt with some pretty urgent health issues. I mean, James, you mentioned, you know, a suicide attempt. Um, and it sounds like the work does kind of exacerbate that to a degree, but how does your, how is your friendship? Uh, what if, what if, what impact has that had on your kind of mental states or your, your mental well-being? We're just always there for each other. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not going to name any specific events. Um, if Jamie wants to name anything, he's more than welcome to, but there's been some recent hardships and, um, you know, I made sure that I made myself present. I was there, you know, I, I, uh, I called every day. I made sure things were okay. Um, there's other plans in the future, um, close future to, to bring us to one spot. Yeah. Um, make things a lot easier. And, and yeah. for our financial needs and, and for our friendship, um, you know, as far as friends go, we do, you know, both of us have other friends, but right. you know, we have, we're brothers and then we have another friend, uh, DH, I'll refer to him as only, um, because he's remained anonymous for yeah longer than I have over, yeah. well over a decade. Um, yeah. And uh, he is our other brother. Um, he couldn't yeah. be here today. He wanted to be, but he couldn't be. Um, so this is just, you know. Well, it's good that you guys, I mean, it's good that you guys have each other. I think it's a good idea to move closer together if possible. Or, you know, have that more like a daily thing because, like, that makes a big difference, I think, in having people, like, actually around you. If you Do you think when you end Agonal Lust your collaboration could ever go beyond music or go in other directions of life in terms of, I don't know, I'm just coming to mind like work or, or other sorts of ideas uh, or, 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 or projects or under, not necessarily like work, like, like day job work, but I mean, just other types of undertakings or, or creative uh, endeavors beyond music. We aren't done. Yeah. I don't know what everything will be, uh, whether whether there will be film, whether there'll be more music. Oh, I, I know there will be more music, but film, uh, visual art, things like that. I mean, we have a lot to work on and a lot to do. And a lot of that stuff needs to be done together, We yeah. not remotely. Yeah. You know, I, I, I can't work on art remotely, really. It's not how it works. You know, I, right. I have all my fit, my, my, you know, my Photoshop is a photocopier sitting in the corner of my apartment. So, right. Um, you know, we need to be together, but, yeah. uh, or close together. So right. like there, there will be more, there will always be more, hey, whether it's listed as one name or two or no names at all. Yeah. What about your guys' uh, affinity to horror films? Uh, it's been around forever. Man. What do you want to know, yeah, man? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I see the in the background, you mentioned that you guys are hanging out watching some movies. Like, what? How important are horror films for you guys? Oh, huge, man. It's horror films, films are everything. Know? Yeah. From so renting VHS tapes as a kid to collecting, you know, just yeah. So was... last night was. A Blade in the Dark. Cool. On Vinegar Syndrome. 
a beautiful nice. package. Yeah, insane packaging. They're just wow. Very nice. Um, this morning we've started uh, Terror and te- at Ten Killer mm-hmm. on Vinegar Syndrome. Okay. Another beautiful film. Um, let's see what else we got here. Um, got a copy of a uh, Razorback on Umbrella awesome. from Crazy. Australia. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, oh, we yeah. have uh, the films of uh, Jörg uh, Butgeres. Yeah, Jörg Butgeret. Butgeret, yes. Yeah. I love his movies and I, when I, you know, I, I went to film school over here in Germany. That was the reason I came over here. And like, I was expecting when I moved over here that I would like talk to people at the school and everyone would know who he was and be a big fan. No one. He's basically non-existent in Germany. So my favorite film by him Hands down, and this might be like kind of controversial, but is Scram. Okay. I love Scram. Um, and then I'm going to show two movies side by side here. I, I have a, a pile of movies here, but two movies side by side that do not go together, but are, will most likely be watched. And that's Hunt, uh, Cannibal Apocalypse. Uh-huh. It's a classic. New York. Yeah. And then uh, it's like a post-war movie. It's a cannibal film, but yeah. post-war. And then uh, we got here Drop Dead Fred. Uh-huh. Which is a classic. Phoebe Cates. Phoebe Cates. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, one more I'll show quick. This is a box set from Vinegar Syndrome. Um, Villages of the Damned. Nice. Which is uh, Spanish horror films of a uh, specific contemporary time period. So... Yeah, cool. this is what we do. Uh, whenever we get together, stacks of horror films. Lots of beer. Beer, exploitation, sometimes shockumentaries. You know, we'll close tonight with uh, Death Files VHS or something. And, uh, you know, that's that. How many films can you knock out in a day? Probably like a good two like eight, 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 maybe eight films, probably. Yeah. All we do is sit here and watch horror movies, drink beer, uh, hang out. Then usually like Friday night, we'll, we'll watch a couple because I, I won't get here till late, mm-hmm. go to sleep, wake up. Second, we wake up, it's on. <laughs> um, we're just crushing them. And then Sunday morning is usually like a rough wake up. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And uh, I'll, you know, I'll jump in the shower and I'll hit the road and I'll, I'll drive the four hours back home. Or yeah. vice versa. Vice versa, yeah. yeah. Have you ever been scared of horror movies? Oh, I think the only thing that ever scared me, I, I was, and I must have been like four or five and always had cable, even as a kid. And I remember turning the TV on, it was like probably like three in the morning, The Exorcist was on. I was like a little, little kid, you know, and seeing Linda Blair just, you know, be completely possessed. At the time, you know, but I mean, other than that, no, definitely not. Not horror, but Unsolved Mysteries probably, too. That was a good one. Yeah, Unsolved Mysteries, yeah. 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 It was more the the shows that made things seem real. Yeah, 100%. You know, yeah. a movie, I, I kind of always knew, like, these are actors. Yeah. These, This is effects. But the shows that made things seem real, the documentaries, the shockumentaries, those scared the shit out of me. What about modern horror? Because I feel like the the appreciation of kind of 70s, 80s and exploitation horror is very much kind of like a enjoyment of the aesthetics and has nothing to do with like actually being scared or, or experiencing that. But modern horror, it seems, really tries a lot harder to like legitimately scare the viewer. <sighs> Are there any I modern horror movies that, that like, modern... this is actually good and actually really scary? Have you ever, or re- relatively I scary? Think, 
I can't really think of any off the top of my head. I don't think it's even that they're more scary. I just no, think I think it's, it's just a lot like slicker production, and it's just you know the, film stock is different. Jump scares. Yeah, um, just those don't do it for me. With such a vast knowledge of horror, like especially older horror movies that you guys both have, and probably watch them as much as possible. Are there still movies that you're like being surprised by, like you haven't seen it, or do you have you kind of feel like you've seen most yeah, of it? There's, this point? there's always with all these like boutique labels, you know, that are doing Blu-ray and 4K. They find these movies that I've literally never heard of, and you know, yeah. I've been in the horror since I was a kid. So you're gonna be yeah, talking, you're mean, talking the '80s, you know. Yeah. Everything's really accessible, which I think kind of diminishes things a lot, you know. The, the fun of being able of like a lot of these movies and music and collecting was trying to do all that stuff on your own, finding yeah. out doing blind buys because you didn't have the internet to read reviews or anything like that. And, you know, it's a, it's a different time though, you know, completely different time now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Blind buys was a huge thing as a kid. And, and when you hit the, when you hit the nail on the head, you picked out, you know, you looked at the cover, you saw the title and uh, you put it in, and it was purple. <laughs> uh, it was a great feeling. Because so many times you do it, you do the blind rental, you do the blind buy, you do this, and you get it. And it's not, the cover makes it look like the goriest film ever made. Yeah. And it's 10 minutes of, of fear and, and an hour and a half of total boredom. Or you get yeah. the edited tape where they cut out all the good stuff, you know, that would yeah. happen quite a bit too. They do, you know, they do their, their VHS release and it'd be completely hacked to shreds and, you know, all the good stuff taken out and see, but I this a, movie sucks, you know, that's a big thing in Germany because Germany also has very strict, um, very, very yeah, strict. Like, oh, censorship yeah. Laws. Yeah. Censorship yeah. Laws. So when I first moved over here, I was like kind of going to some flea markets once in a while. And I have kind of a very, very passive interest in horror films. I used to be more interested and I was like, finding like you know like weird giallo films and like stuff like that like on like some fucking bootleg dvd like and i was like buying all this stuff and like whoa cool like i can't believe you can find this stuff and then i'd bring it home put it in it's like oh every cool scene is missing you know like it's so then i just totally like, i gave up on it but um but yeah that i i'm i'm also fascinated though by that element of like like what you talk about like that element of disappointment with horror films that you really are chasing something that a lot of times yeah. isn't there. You know, you're oh, chasing yeah. those. Yeah. And even 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 in a, you know, one and a half hour film, you might have just some really short scenes or moments that are really make the film worth it, but there's oftentimes so much like filler, filler between those moments, you know, but, but the packaging and the names can be so attractive and you know oh. hype hype yeah, up the the artwork can literally sell something and then you know you actually start watching it and i'm just like yeah it doesn't doesn't add up i think we talked yeah. about this recently so vinegar syndrome is you know i'm a huge fan i love the stuff they do i think they do great packaging i think they get some good titles but they release all these sort of unknown horror movies and they make them look amazing and you get them and they're all the horror movies that you Wish you didn't rent. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're the, maybe those movies that you probably skip over when you actually used to rent them, you know, and you just go right past it. But, you know, the way they present it, you're like, oh, wow, this looks amazing and usually doesn't deliver. That's Which I guess is something in itself. Yeah, there's something, I think there's also maybe a similar thing, even in like old school power electronics and industrial probably like we kind of have this we kind of have this like mentality or this 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 thought that anything from the 80s is like magic yeah. and brilliant yeah. But, <laughs> oh, yeah. that a lot of it was just like n mediocre but it just kind of like, oh, got yeah, lost yeah. of time it there is a lot of time but like you hear about oh this is an unearthed tape from 81 you're like fuck i gotta like it must be amazing but it might just might just be boring you know i just suck. there's a lot of chasing for that time period oh there yeah. still is there's people there you go on discogs there'll be tapes that you know no one really know knew about no one cared about in the 80s yeah uh, you know small scene type thing just kids they were all kids right, yeah, we yeah. all kids you know 20s or younger yeah. and uh you know you look on discogs oh it's got like 
200 wants and three people own it and there's a copy for sale for $150. You yeah. buy it and you're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I guess because like if you you know if you had some you know and and it's not a bad thing, but if you had like some fourteen year old kid now doing some you know off the wall or not even off the wall, just some random project, I don't think people would really be inclined to buy it. But you know you go back from the stuff in the eighties and they were fourteen, fifteen, sixteen years old. They were yeah. kids. Yeah. People wanted it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe that'll happen. I mean, there's so much talk about like current times and how there's way too much noise and a lot of it sucks i mean i know i mean i know a lot of it sucks you get you get, the <laughs> oh, yeah. you get stuff all the time and it's like everyone has everyone who does noise gets really active and puts out a ton of releases and there's you know oh man yeah but, but maybe maybe yeah. in 50 years or something like that people will be like oh my god these band camp releases from you know 2023 <laughs> i so just got the three times file flack yeah. It's yeah, amazing. Exactly. I just got this fucking six-hour harsh noise wall box set. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> or like, I'm looking for this. I gotta find it. It's like no one wanted that shit when it was out, but maybe maybe time will treat it well. You know. I don't well, know. that's how it kind of was. And I, actually, so our other best friend, he ran True Force Paint Electronics, and you know they yeah. released their zine where they say like, "You might not give a fuck about us right now, but we're gonna be the most important thing ever." you know, down the line. And some of that kind of came to fruition. That right. True Force Paint Electronics is a highly sought after label oh, yeah. now. Yeah. You can cool. barely find the releases. It was at the time too. I mean I, I remember it, it was, it was. They, they were one of the they were like like the 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 quintessential like gutter electronics label at that time. Yeah. But it's gotten bigger. I yeah. mean it's oh, yeah. far bigger yeah. than it was. Yeah. Well because they've disappeared. I mean that that just you know that just expands the, the the mystery the mystery and also the you know the accessibility you at some point 50 copies 50 copies 20 years later becomes like 10 copies like, yeah yeah like at some point things get lost things get thrown away there's i, are, I can't know. think of how many tapes i put in the player and then like five seconds later i hear like this like weird jamming sound and i walk over and pull out a tape with a bunch of Tape pulling up behind it, and that's that's it. Game over. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that's good what they said, though, because and I th- I think about that too a lot. And I I I've been trying to tell people that, like, I told you know I, I talked to Andy Bullis on an interview recently, and like, you know, he was just you know talking about how he's going through some hard times, and you know he's not living how he wants to be, and so forth and so on. But I was like, dude, you know what? Even if you you know, you're poor as fuck. And like, even if the rest of your life, like you don't, doesn't go the way you want it to, you're going to be evil moisture, like in the history books, like this stuff that he was doing and that you guys are doing. That I think that we're all doing is I think really important. And I'm not saying that like it, it will or needs to be like seen by a lot of people as important, but it, it will be kind of, immortal in some way even the the entire type of even this entire entire culture as a phenomenon like what will what will it be like when people come across it in 200 years well uh, in 200 years hopefully there's no more people left um but (laughs) (laughs) i know but uh that's the most like that's the most likely scenario but but i mean you know like will it be written about an academic would it be written about in academic like art art history books like uh, if 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 <laughs> there is a sentient life after uh the one that i am currently in and i'm looking from some uh other dimension upon a child opening a history book and agonal lust is there i'm going to be very upset with the <laughs> education system going on <laughs> <laughs> It's not. It's not important, but I. Th- I, I do. It, it crosses my mind sometimes. I mean, like, people who did. I mean, the early punks didn't think they were doing anything like. No, I. Yeah, that's. I, I, anything I guess significant, they, but now everyone's like, "Oh my god, they changed the world!" And you know, like, blah blah. blah. You know, it's like that. Were yeah, just you some, look at you, like, the, like the early like New York hardcore bands. Those those kids were just street kids. They didn't know what was going on. They just no, yeah, they no. played and, and they had nowhere to live. Harley they, Flanagan didn't think he was going to be none of the, no, none no. of those guys. No. They didn't know the impact they would have on like on underground and commercial music. So exactly, yeah, it's, it's 
crazy if you look at it that way. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess you know, in a way, we're sound designers in some strange aspect, you know. So maybe that adds to it. I don't know. For sure. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, trying to unpack the future is very complicated, um, and it's not worth really doing. But I think it's not. To, <laughs> it's, not to, it's not to. I don't think it's to underestimate what what all this stuff really means on a larger scale. That's right. why I'm curious. That's why I'm curious about things like the hospital fest or things just like when people do stuff that they also are conscious of the fact that, you know, 20 years from now exists, hopefully I think, and 50 years also probably exists. And, and, uh, the ripples of what one does, sometimes can be really turned into big waves, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Jamie, I ask everyone this. What are your top five power electronics, industrial, or noise releases of all time? I actually got them ready for you, so... Yeah, we prepared for this. Yeah. I told him you were going to ask um, him, so... <laughs> all right. <laughs> sure, I got five here. I'm going to start off uh skin crime horror butcher nice they just played last night unfortunately they didn't get to see them but yeah, uh this is one of the where are you guys right now i can bleep it if you want me to but where are you guys i'll let's just say i'm in the uh i'm in upstate new york uh not okay. not that far from albany um okay we're in the catskill area okay so, so yeah you, I'm, you I'm missed, about, but you missed that show you missed that that yeah nyc show yeah it was yeah but uh, as far as, yeah, Skin Crime, Board Butcher, it's like one of the first noise tapes I ever bought. Um, comes up with like the ripped up panties and pills. It's got pills in it. But uh, <laughs> crazy. yeah, I got a this from, a little higher, a little higher. Get the full. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I ordered this from relapse release catalog back in probably like 96 or 97 when you still had to like sign for an age statement uh pretty funny wow. stuff but uh yeah um next one is um taint daughter victimology 2 put out on freak animal um huge influence just just the sound and, and the samples kind of like the the buyer market type samples and then just yeah. and they were i guess they were mixed low on purpose uh, that's right. how I want them. So that when the noise kicked in, it just it was just it just blasted you with noise. Um, yeah. And this, I don't have the bloody panties that came with this anymore. I lost that a long time ago. But yeah, huge, huge influence. It's been reissued a bunch of times on vinyl, but the original initial release was on was on CD. Oh, okay. um, Death Pile, Triumph of Death mm-hmm. on uh, Self Abuse. Nice. Classic Chicago Power Electronics. Probably, yeah. probably my favorite release from 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 him. Um, yeah, great tape. Uh, I said not realize Death Pile was sh- in, from Chicago, or was he local? Oh, no, Chicago? Oh, well, Blood Lust, Chicago. He's from he's from oh, okay. Uh, okay, okay, he's yeah, from yeah. Denver. Uh, yeah, I meant I meant Blood Lust was on. Was, no, actually, this is on Self Abuse. I'm sorry. Okay. okay um, yeah. Yeah, this one's on Self Abuse. Um, yeah, classic tape. Nice. Um, slogan to breed apart. Mm-hmm. On Slaughter Productions. Yep. Classic Brooklyn True Crime, Crime Power Electronics. And then the last one is not, it's a box set, but I figured I'd include it anyway. Um, it's been reissued, but uh, this is the actual original release. Uh, Listen and Die. Nice. On Slaughter Productions. Um, and it featured all the heavy hitters from the US and the Italian scene in the late 90s, yeah. which I think was like, the last like real official like power electronic scene um, between those countries, like you know, in the U.S. you had you know, Taint and and you know, Skin Crime and Death Pile, all those projects, and I don't know, that was like a, a scene where you would see these bands play. You know, you don't really get right. that that much anymore, where you have like shows that are just of the like the, the big names and in, in especially in, like power electronics. But yeah, it's definitely. Kind of over. I mean. It- it's kind of yeah that was the, the i don't really think about it that much but yeah power electronics in that sense 
Yeah, there was an actual like I think it was like the last of like where like there was like a network, you know. Yeah, exactly. That, that's, there's that's, there's that's individual bands around. now, but it's not like that anymore. No, definitely not. No. Well, great. That's uh, cool. You show that stuff too. That's that's really cool. Um, and what about? Are you listening to anything current or contemporary, electronics or noise wise? Um, Half Mortal is really good. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I, I, some of the stuff that I've really heard is, is that I've heard is really good. Um, some other newer newer projects. Um, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I don't really think of too many off the top of my head. Like um, the stuff that stuff that's coming out of the hospital, he's always putting out really good stuff. That's yeah. you know when he's putting out you know yellow gas flames and there's 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 some really good projects. But uh, like as far as like I just honestly listen to a lot of old stuff. Yeah. So the, the newer stuff, I just Same. really yeah. I mean that's just I guess haven't really been like seeking it out. Or I'm sure there's some some stuff I like you know, but I just really haven't been actively seeking it out. Oh. One question for both of you before we sign off: What would you tell a new young person who wants to make power electronics? Don't find your inspiration from music of the past and present, uh, at least within the genre. Find your influence from things in life, sounds you hear outside. Um, find find influence and in, in, in visual turn something visual in, into a sound. Turn turn pain into a sound. Turn your emotion into a sound. Don't don't listen to the gray wolves and say I want to sound like this. Don't listen to don't. Don't recreate the greatest hits. We don't need. We don't need that. Yeah, it's never going to come off as genuine if that if, if that's the case. We don't. We don't want that. We don't need that. Find, yeah. find something true to yourself and the things around you in life, and those things allow them to grow and change and maybe become something totally different, separate from the original sounds that you heard. But, but do not. Do not rehash what's already been done. Those are great words. Those and don't ever put anything out that you're not happy with either. That's a huge yeah. mistake. I think a lot of younger people do. They just they want to just put out releases just to have things out there. And I think in the long run, you'll never be happy doing that. If you can't enjoy what you're recording yourself and listen to it, then there's really there's no point in it. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's also um, very true. Is that maybe a reason why you were active for such a long time, recording and stuff like that before you? Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. The first coma detox tape. For yeah. both of us, yeah, I mean, we both did it. I think, yeah, I mean, I think if you put something out and if you listen to it a thousand times and you know, after that, if you the thousand and one time listen to it and you're not happy with it, I personally, I don't think you should be putting it out. Yeah, you need to be able to hear it for months and think it's. I mean, you should literally think it's. The material you put out, you should want to hear more than any other material put out. Definitely. If if you would rather listen to David Gilden's Texas Chainsaw Dope Fiend than what you just recorded, don't put it out. It's not worth it. And it's it's a waste of your time and ours. I don't want to be hyped on something that you think isn't as good as something else. It's not not worth it. I don't care how much you like something else. Your music and your art should be better than that. Yeah, and, if, and maybe you make it and you think that, and in reality it sucks, but at least you're being honest to yourself. Yeah. Is there anything in your guys' past catalogs or, or maybe even at a label as Finders that you regret putting out? I have no comment on on uh, on that. There there is material that I regret uh, putting out, um, but I I have uh, no comment on, on on what that is. Okay. 
And I don't, there's nothing, I've never put anything out that I regretted. As far as, as, far my, as my own material. My own yeah. material goes, I have no regrets. There's nothing I wish I didn't put out. There, yeah. there are some stuff there on Finders, not on Packing Plant, but on Finders. Uh, you know, there may be some releases I wish I'd done differently or maybe not done at all. Sure. Gentlemen, that was really um, insightful. And I appreciate you sharing with me all that stuff. Um, Jamie, I appreciate you coming on here. Um, it's a pleasure to meet you. And, you know, I've been a fan for a long time. So anything else you want to add? Anything else I forgot to ask about? Anything else you want to tell the people? I think I think uh, my end, that's pretty much it, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree. Long live Agonal Lust. Long live Thank Agonal you. Lust. We'll take care and Thank talk you. soon. Thank you. Talk soon. Okay.